Welcome listeners to today's episode of Combating Language Ideologies. I'm your host, Megan Briscrito, and my goal is to bring awareness to the topic of questioning and unlearning systematic and common sense notions of linguistic supremacy and racialized language hierarchies. So before we get into our discussion, I'll start off by giving you some background on the information for our topic. When an individual refers to the common sense notions of linguistic supremacy, they're talking about the overall quote-unquote accepted way that people speak to one another. This meaning, for example, in the classroom when a student comes from a different background and their language is influenced by this background, it is often frowned upon that they are taught to speak hypothetically what is correct. This leads into the hierarchy aspect of language. For any of our listeners who are unfamiliar with the term hierarchy, this is when something is ranked higher or seen as better than something else based on its status or authority. When it comes to language in classrooms or society in general, the accepted way to communicate is the top of the social hierarchy due to its status. In our podcast today's episode, I would like to stress the importance of questioning this linguistic hierarchy and unlearning it due to the fact that incorporating cultural language into schools and societies would be beneficial to all. Hypothetically, by the end of this podcast, you guys can see how strong of an impact including our culture into our everyday linguistic style can really be. There are several examples regarding why following language hierarchies pose a threat to society. Some that come quickly to mind are taking away someone's cultural background and stripping them of their individuality or, if this continues, possibly the erasure of overall culture. Lastly, by following the hypothetical correct linguistic patterns, one may feel less comfortable communicating with others because they fear sounding uneducated or overall wrong. My sociolinguistics group and I have analyzed several sources speaking further on this topic, which we believe is important to share with all of you. The first source that I'll be introducing is a short TED talk given by Jamila Lizicott. Lizicott shares her personal story, which touches upon the linguistic hierarchy when she was targeted by another woman about the way that she speaks. Jamila is of African-American descent, and when she came across another woman, she was being looked at strangely and was addressed saying that she was articulate. With that being said, here is Jamila Lizicott's TED Talk. Today, a baffled lady observed the show where my soul dwells and announced that I'm articulate. Which means that when it comes to enunciation and diction, I don't even think of it because I'm articulate. So when my professor asks a question and my answer is tainted with the connotation of urbanized suggestion, there's no misdirected intention. Pay attention because I'm articulate. So when my father asks, what kind of thing is this? My articulate answer never goes amiss. I say, father, this is the impending problem at hand. And when I'm on the block, I switch it up just because I can. So when my boy says, what's good with you, son? I say, I just fall out with them people, but I done. And sometimes in class, I might pause the intellectual sound and flow to ask yo. Why these books never be about my peoples? Yes, I have decided to treat all three of my languages as equal because I'm articulate. But who controls articulation? Because the English language is a multifaceted oration subject to indefinite transformation. Now you may think that it is ignorant to speak broken English, but I'm here to tell you that even articulate Americans sound foolish to the British. So when my professor comes on the block and says hello, I stop him and say no. You're being inarticulate. The proper way is to say what's good. Now, you may think that's too hood. That's not cool. But I'm here to tell you that even our language has rules. So when mommy mocks me and says, y'all be mad, go in 
into the store, I say, mommy, no, that sentence is not following the law. Never does the word mad go before a present participle. That's simply the principle of this English. If I had the vocal capacity, I would sing this from every mountaintop, every suburbia, and every hood. Because the only God of language is the one recorded in the genesis of this world saying it is good so I may not always come before you with excellency of speech. But do not judge me by my language and assume that I'm too ignorant to teach because I speak three tongues. One for each, home, school, and friends. I'm a trilingual orator. Sometimes I'm consistent with my language now to switch it up so I don't bore later. Sometimes I fight back two tongues while I use the other one in the classroom and when I mistakenly mix them up I feel crazy like I'm cooking in the bathroom. I know that I had to borrow your language because mine's was stolen. But you can't expect me to speak your history wholly while mine is broken. These words are spoken by someone who was simply fed up with the Eurocentric ideals of the season. And the reason I speak a composite version of your language is because mine was raped away along with my history. I speak broken English so the profuse and gashes can remind us that our current state is not a mystery. I'm so tired of the negative images that are driving my people mad. So unless you've seen it rob a bank, stop calling my hair bad. I'm so sick of this nonsensical racial disparity. So don't call it good unless your hair is known for donating to charity as much as has been raped away from our people. How can you expect me to treat their imprint on your language as anything less than equal? Let there be no confusion let there be no hesitation. This is not a promotion of ignorance. This is a linguistic celebration. That's why I put trilingual on my last job application. <laughs> I can help to diversify. Your consumer market is all I wanted them to know. And when they call me for the interview, I'll be more than happy to show it. I can say, what's good? What's Taiwan? And of course, hello. <laughs> because I'm articulate. Thank you. What we can take away is, since the woman Jamila interacted with saw she was African-American, she assumed that she didn't know how to speak American English properly. This is a clear example of existence of the language hierarchy in our society. Rather than automatically assuming that a person is not articulate because of their race, ethnicity, or nationality, we should encourage everyone to communicate as they please and apply their culture as much as possible without it being viewed as incorrect or uneducated. When it comes to articulation, Jamila says the English language is multi-faced oration subject to definite transformation. I think Jamila's story is a key example of how wrong the linguistic hierarchy is, as well as the problem that it plays in our society. To add to the TED Talk, there are a few other examples that I would like to share with you guys. The first one is another podcast given by the Vocal Fries called Don't Mind the Gap. In this podcast, Dr. Nelson Flores explains how the early years of European colonialism introduced the practice of using racial linguistic ideologies in order to dehumanize indigenous communities. Dr. Flores says one specific quote that I think everyone should hear in their life. We have naturalized and normalized all of the dominant ideologies about what language is or should be. Take a moment to pause and reflect on what your ideology of language is or should be. Have you ever had an idea of what the correct way of speaking is? Do you ever believe that your native tongue was inferior or superior to another language of speaking? Another example that I would like to share comes from a source titled Language on the Move called Explorations in Language Shaming. The title of the article is enough alone to get the theme across. However, it's included a few quotes I would like all of you to think about. 
The first one is media campaigns or face-to-face interactions that deride, disparage, or demean particular ways of using language. It sort of reveals the same message that I want to express to all of you. The theme that language shaming can have results of low self-esteem, lack of self-worth, and social alienation. In some schools today, teachers are often guilty of shaming their students for the way that they communicate. This kind of shaming can be detrimental for people to develop human relationships, communicate with others, and develop a sense of belonging. Not only can it negatively impact someone socially, but according to the article, it may also jeopardize people's overall educational success, including achievement in the subject area. Now, I want you all to reflect on that as well. Take a moment to pause and think, have you ever been in a situation where you were shamed by an authoritative figure or a teacher for the language you speak or for your articulation? Have you ever witnessed someone else being shamed for speaking their native language? If you were a witness, did you stand up for this person who was being shamed? Consider what I've shared so far. What would you have done to stop the shaming? As I wrap up this episode, I want to reference a book by April Baker Bell called Linguistic Justice because it takes everything that was talked about in a full circle. In the book, it says anti-Black linguistic racism more accurately captures the dehumanization that Black language speakers endure when using their language across multiple contexts, including classrooms. And it details the way that anti-Blackness in language education positions Black language speaking students as linguistically, intellectually, and morally inferior. This piece of information accurately describes how not only can the way someone who speaks be penalized for it, but they endure a racist-filled experience, which nobody should have. The author of this book makes it clear that many Black students today are being stripped of their ability to use their native way of speaking as a resource to assist them with language and learning, and I think that is extremely unfair. Going back to what was mentioned before, this can bring about a decrease in social interactions among students. It can make them feel inferior and even incapable of progressing in their educational experiences. The main point that I want to get across is that there is no proper way to speak English. The best ways we can all practice unlearning linguistic supremacy and racialized language hierarchies are by understanding five main points. First, understanding language variation and its overall importance. Second, knowing that language is human. Third, keeping in mind that all varieties of language are on an equal playing field. Fourth, accepting that language varieties because it's always changing and accepting it. And fifth, grasping the idea that you have to speak a certain way in order to sound smart gets us to a root that is saturated with racism, colonialism, and imperialism. I hope that you all keep either some or all of these five points in your mind as you come across new people who hail from different cultural backgrounds and communicate differently. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of Combating Language Ideologies. Have a great day and don't forget to keep an open mind whenever you're interacting with other people.